The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board of the Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle Hyman, and joining me on this co-op adventure is uh, is no one. That's right. We're, we're doing the solo version of Board of the Video Games this week again. Uh, if you are not on social media or if you are, you might have heard Josh's uh, under the weather a bit. So... Uh, I had the opportunity to invite someone else on. I said, you know, I could do that. I could reach out, ask someone else to join us. But, you know, Board of Video Games really always has been Josh and I. So just, you know, I felt, hey, I'll do a short solo show this week. Make sure that you listeners are still getting some content. Uh, but send Josh some love. Uh, you know, make sure to reach out to him. Send him some good thoughts um, so he can be back next week and we'll be kind of back at fighting shape. Uh, so this might actually be the much fabled short episode. Uh, I have done a solo episode once before and the feedback was just so amazing from everyone. I say that sarcastically uh, that I figured, Hey, what's one more, right? Second time's a charm. Gonna definitely get better at it. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to ride this wave. We're going to see how I can do with a solo show. Uh, So what's it going to look like? How is it going to be different than the typical show? Not that different, actually. Uh, we're going to skip the pregame, you know, we'll kind of just get into some news. We'll talk a little bit about what I've been playing, uh, and then we'll kind of wrap things up and go from there. So this will definitely be shorter, but this will be a time for me just to, you know, chat with you, dear listeners, about the things going on, all the things happening in the gaming world that are interesting to me, uh, and just kind of what I've been keeping an eye on. Uh, I will also be giving a little bit of an update at the end, because typically this would be the week we went over homework, uh, and Josh and I gave each other some pretty good homework last time uh but obviously since he's not here we're not gonna be able to talk about it but i do want to kind of give you an update on especially the comic homework that i that was given out uh so that if you wanted to you could participate in the future so that information will be coming uh, because like i said i would just like for you to be able to participate if you want to so with that like i said we're gonna kind of go in and and just start chatting about some things here so you know, our typical housekeeping. Thanks for joining us this week. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board of the VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board of the VG. We are proud to be part of the Place of Video Games podcast family, and we encourage you to check out all the shows like the PSVG podcast, the Nintendo Shack, PSXP, and Dollar Cinema. You never know when a new show might pop up, so be sure to stay tuned to all of your favorite PSVG podcasts to stay up to date. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games, and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast archive, as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. So with that, what have I been playing? Listeners, you're going to be so excited, because, at least for me, this will probably be the last time I ever talk about Horizon Forbidden West, because credits have rolled. I've completed Horizon Forbidden West. I have not quite gotten the Platinum Trophy, uh, but I'm not going to bore you with those details once I do. Um, but Horizon Forbidden West is complete. It took me about 65 hours is kind of where I clocked. I uh, definitely still had some side, not too many side quests left. Uh, what They do have a thing called errands in the game. I had some errands left to do, and then kind of some of the other extraneous adventures you can do in the game, like the melee pits and some of the hunting grounds. Uh, those sorts of things. I kind of had a few of those things left to do to kind of polish off that Platinum Trophy. But the game itself is done. It is complete, which means I can move on uh, to other things. But overall, you know, like I mentioned last week, we've gotten some pushback a little bit about the way we talk about Elden Ring and just the From Software games in general, which is fair. We are probably more dismissive of those games than we should be. Uh, I was going to jump into Elden Ring. That was kind of going to be what I was going to do next. But I had already started Tiny Tina's Wonderland, so I decided to go that direction instead. But I'll get to that in a minute. Back on topic here. Horizon Forbidden West. 
I, I think Horizon's downfall is always going to be that it is a really good game and a, and a very polished version of a game that some people really like and some people don't. It is a very quote unquote traditional open world game in video games right now, right? Like there are bases to clear out. There are ways to like, you know, show more of the map. Yes, there are things you can do to customize like how many of how many icons on your map, how much do you need to really listen and pay attention to kind of figure out where your next things are going. You can, if you want to, make it very exploration-based of where you just shut off most of the HUD, shut off most of the map, you know, markers, and just kind of figure out, because the characters do tell you, oh, it's west of this place or it's east of this thing, or if you go north of the large lake or whatever it is. Like, those things exist to a degree. But it is definitely challenging to to navigate the map that way. Um so it, it is still very, you know, linear. It is very focused still on linear progression of either the side quests or the main story. And it, it can be hard to kind of just find those things. Now, I did randomly wander into events and other things I did not know about or, or had not, you know, been looking specifically for that you just happened upon while, while exploring the world. But there are also entire parts of the world that I just didn't explore. Uh, I got to a point where I was trying to kind of finish things up. Not that I was sick of the game by any means, but I, I reach a point, and this is with every game, when I hit 60, 70, 80 hours, I kind of get an itch to move on. Uh, and this has been true with every game. You, you know, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, a game I talked about a ton that I really enjoyed. Once I hit that level, that 60, 70, 80 hour mark, it, it's hard for me to stay committed and focused. Part of it's probably because I, I feel a desire to come on here and talk to all of you and share new games that I'm playing. So you don't hear, have to hear me talk about the same game for, you know, six weeks like I have Horizon. Uh, but also just I get interested in new things really quickly. And I'm someone who constantly is exploring different hobbies to pursue and constantly trying to learn new things. So anytime a game is taking that long, I get really interested in figuring out what the next thing is. But with that being said, like I enjoyed my entire time with Horizon. There was nothing while playing it. I shouldn't say that. There were nits. I talked about the swimming thing already a little bit. The fact that you can't attack underwater is a bit annoying for me. Uh, the side quests overall were very good. Uh, some of the errands were a little... There's this, you know, kind of push and pull between, hey, the world's going to end, but go, you know, get this person their whatever little thing they need, you know, and, and the, the way Aloy is um and her her desire just to go do that all the time is a bit perplexing uh, but the music is excellent the graphics are great the gameplay and the combat is just so very good so i i really do like horizon a lot uh, if you look at the sales charts for the month of march horizon declined very significantly from february to march it went down a lot uh, and that's not totally surprising right you have a single player game rpg game that got well reviewed but kind of got drowned out by other things that came out soon thereafter it so it's not totally surprising to see that game uh, drop so much but if, if you haven't picked it up yet i would anticipate as a result of that drop you might see it on sale re reasonably soon i think it's easily an easy recommend if you have a playstation ps4 or a ps5 uh the ps4 version i've seen videos of it running still surprised that the game looks as good as it does on the ps4 the ps5 version is, is darn stunning though uh at least it was for me uh, i know there are some potential like um shimmering and glare issues in a couple with a couple televisions uh but i don't know my my cheap 4k hdr tv it seemed to work just fine and look really good uh so yeah horizon forbidden west it is done it is completed like i said i will go back and get the platinum but i probably won't talk about it on the podcast anymore unless you know dlc or something like that comes down the line but uh, i am excited for whatever might be next in that world uh, i had a really good time with the game uh and yeah, I have now moved on to it, like I said, to Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, but that I will return to get the Platinum Trophy. Uh, I just wanted to move on to something different for a bit. So speaking of Tiny Tina's, I had talked about this briefly on the show before. This was a game that I didn't know that I wanted to play. Uh, Josh, you know, we he and I game share, and I, he had picked up a couple games recently. So I was like, well, I know he's really excited about Tiny Tina. He's a big Borderlands fan. I will pick this up to, you know, make sure that I am being a good steward and a good good partner when it comes to our game share so i picked up tiny tina's wonderlands and i played for about the first hour and said okay this is awesome i'm really enjoying it but the crouch button is the, different than the crouch button in horizon so i can't just keep doing this so 
uh, I decided to set it aside to finish Horizon. And now that I'm done with Horizon, I'm back to Tiny Tina. And I still do really enjoy this game. Uh, I am probably five, seven hours in it at this point. And overall, like I said, it's still a good time. Something about the graphic choices with the cell shading that they do and the hard black outlines just really works for me for this game. I, I'm glad that they ended up going with this art style for the Borderlands universe. I think back every once in a while to when Borderlands was first revealed, and this is not what the art style was, right? It was a very much more generic looking game when it was first revealed. Um, and the change to this, I think it, it was very good for it. It really gives Borderlands this identity. And the humor that they go for in it also gives it a great identity. Now, sometimes the humor was good, a la Borderlands 2. Sometimes the humor was not great, a la Borderlands 3. Uh, so it, it is a hit and miss, and it's a risk anytime you're going with humor that sometimes it's going to work for people and sometimes it might not. And that's always a challenge. But I, I always appreciate that tonal change. There's very few games that try to be funny. I wish we had more games that try to be funny. Uh, I, I'm a fan of all sorts of types of games games that are fun just for fun's sake games that are very challenging games that are sad and scary that are not necessarily quote-unquote fun to play like I, I like all of those things but we don't have a lot of games that just try straight up to be funny and i wish we had more of them and i applaud tiny tina's for going for that they are trying very very much to just be a funny light-hearted romp and for the most part it succeeds my actual like kind of feedback now i'm playing it Previously, I'd mentioned I was a little disappointed about, you know, the weapons not being quite as fantasy as they are. There's still a lot of guns. And that's true. I, I wish that we had still the, the fantasy setup that they're going for had been fully embraced. Because it doesn't quite feel like they 100% got there. I definitely still have some guns that are basically like tricked out crossbows and things like that. So that's cool. But I wish they really had more fully immersed themselves in the fantasy prototype and they make some jokes about it uh you know you at one point in the game you get some c4 and they're like c4 i thought this was a fantasy game so that's fantasy four and things like that then so they they try and they they're a little self-referential about the fact that there's still just a lot of guns in this game because that's the gameplay um overall it does still feel good the, the shooting does feel pretty pretty solid my big problem with this game, though, it, and this is probably going to sound really bizarre for a Borderlands game, it, they didn't go far enough to me. Uh, and I think Guardians of the Galaxy is actually the game that wrecked this for me. If you played Guardians of the Galaxy last year, it's currently on Game Pass. So if you haven't played it and you have Game Pass, I definitely recommend it. It's a great game. Uh, definitely was our game of the year last year for as a podcast as a whole. It was my game of the year individually as a whole, uh, individually last year. Just a really wonderful time. And one of the reasons it was so good is that there was constant banter and constant jokes and constant ribbing and little side conversations. And the chatter just kept going in the game. Obviously, that's a very challenging thing, a very expensive thing uh, to be able to do where you are constantly having characters jaw with one another and talk to one another. That's not something that can necessarily happen easily. But in Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, every time Tiny Tina speaks, which, by the way, Ashley Birch just crushes it. It's kind of funny going from Aloy to Tiny Tina. Uh, but Ashley Birch crushes it. And her character is so wonderful. And it's just someone I want to hear talking to me almost all of the time. And she just doesn't do it enough. There are long sections of playing the game when going on missions where from the time you start the mission until basically you get to the end of the mission, she doesn't say anything. And then she comes in with some fun, quippy stuff at the end of the mission. And then it's over. And then you get like a minute or two of dialogue and story exposition that happens from her. And then you go on the next mission and there's almost nothing again. And you'll get to the point where you like can find like these D20s that you can hit to get like random loot, which are basically like kind of like your random loot chests, even though they still have random loot chests as well. And she'll make like a joke about there's like three different jokes she makes about like rolling dice and how lucky you're going to get and things like that. And I, I, I just want more guardians of the galaxy. Like I said, the humor that was in that game, the way they kind of constructed that world and really kind of brought you, excuse me, brought you into it and immersed you in what was happening there is something tiny Tina's could definitely benefit from. And I know obviously I'm not a game developer, but it, it really seems that I can only imagine how challenging it must be to, write that amount of dialogue to get that amount of dialogue to record all those video sessions especially in covid with everything going on uh 
but darn it if in this game i just want more of it right because if we're supposed to be friends and adventurers sitting across a tabletop rpg from one another and we're all sitting in the room having sodas and you know eating our our cheesy puffs that have fallen on the board why aren't we just joking around with each other why aren't we having more of these conversations i feel like that's really what would be going on and i suppose they're trying to get you to feel that from the adventure you're on to feel that from the gameplay but it just doesn't quite get there now with that being said i'm having a great time i'm going to continue to play this game i do think you know a lot of the things they're doing the traversal of the overworld kind of similar to jrpg is really cool it's fun it's a new take because you know before in borderlands you would be like hey i got this thing now i gotta you know go to the other side of the map so i'm just gonna jump in this vehicle and just drive all the way across the map for three minutes to get to my next point this at least changes that gameplay up a little bit it makes it seem a bit more meaningful and interesting and there are things to discover on the overworld that make you want to kind of go and check it out and see what's going on there. So I am running into the problem too, that I sometimes run into borderlands where I find a gun that I really like and then I get new guns. I just don't like them as much, but now I'm getting to the point where the, you know, the guns I really like are underpowered for the level that I am and the enemies that I'm facing, but I just haven't gotten something new that I, I gel with yet. And that does happen. Sometimes obviously I could just switch and move on and probably be fine. But I also have one really high, highly powerful sniper rifle that I don't like. But it's really good, so I sometimes use it even though I don't like it, because uh, it doesn't just feel very good compared to my other guns, uh, and that's always kind of one of the grab bag of, of things with the Borderlands game and the Borderlands universe games, if you're getting so much loot that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but overall, like I said, if you enjoy Borderlands, or if you enjoy tabletop RPGs, or anything similar to that, I think Wonderlands is definitely a, a thing to check out. I can't imagine that it's going to be full price for long. Uh, you know, it's been out three weeks or so at this point i would have to imagine honestly i i would assume by the end of may you'll be able to get a discount on it just with how those games typically go but overall really enjoying tiny tina's wonderlands that's really all i've been playing as far as games go i have been playing uh, lost ruins of arnak a little bit but i want to wait to talk about that with josh this year uh so you know for a game playing perspective that really has been it there I know Josh has been playing some stuff. He's been playing the show uh, and things like that. So we'll definitely have more different games next week when we talk. Uh, but for me, that's kind of what I have been talking or playing recently. So moving on to our topics of the show, the first one I'm going to talk about here uh, is we've talked a lot about uh, what is going on with Kickstarter, their change and kind of move towards, you know, using cryptocurrency and, and those uh, and blockchain and things for uh, the development of their site and, and funding games. Well, GameFound was a, you know, is that rival, if you would, crowdfunding platform. And they just recently got some big commitments. Um, and that is that Awaken Realms' next three games all will be going to GameFound. Uh, so this, you can't find the news, you know, on random sites and all this good stuff. But for me, um, as someone who subscribes to the GameFound newsletter and to Awaken Realms stuff, uh, that's kind of how I got this. So actually from my email, I feel like I so smart. Like this is actually important news things coming to my mail. Like I'm a real journalist or something. Um, but like I said, the, the email came from GameFound originally and just said, hey, you know, basically we've gotten a commitment from um, Awakened Realms for their next three games. And here are what the games are. The first one being Tainted Grail Kings of Ruin. Uh, Tainted Grail The Fall of Avalon was one of the most successful crowdfunded campaigns by many regarded as one of the best story thematic board games. Currently occupying Board Game Geek's ranking as number 83 best game of all time, Dark Reimagination of Arthurian Legends has many fans. To all those fans, we have great news today. The amazing journey will continue. Tainted Grail Kings of Ruin will be a standalone expansion set in the dark universe of Tainted Grail. Players will lead an expedition of the forgotten west side of the island, discovering secrets of three kings of ruin. If you are new to Tainted Grail, don't worry. In this campaign, you'll be able to get a second edition of the content from the original campaign. So Tainted Grail, kind of like they mentioned, was a game that had um, was very successful on Kickstarter back in the day. And a game that you know a lot of people continue to really enjoy. Uh, definitely a very highly rated game, as it mentions number 83 on Board Game Geek. This isn't a game that I've had the chance to play yet, but it's a game that I've uh, kind of always kept my eye on because it, it, it just is so interesting to... There's, you know, a lot of miniatures. The art in is really good. Uh, really kind of going for that dudes on a board, but we're going to be doing cool stuff uh, ranking. It is supposed to be pretty heavy as far as very, pretty complex. But overall, like I said, Tainted Grail, uh, one of those games that um, 
people really seem to love. It is expensive too. Uh, I think right now, if you probably try to buy it, you'd probably be spending 160, 170 bucks uh, to get it. So the fact that it is coming back to game found um, with a chance of a, a standalone expansion, which that's always nice where you have, Hey, if you have the base game, you can get this cool thing. If you don't have the base game, you know, here's like this new standalone thing that you could also kind of get into. So there's no obligation to have to get the base game. Uh, but obviously, you know, as they mentioned with this game found campaign, you'll be able to do it. Uh, this one is a bit a ways off. I don't know that we actually know a release date for when this is happening yet. You can see the project page on um, GameFound. This is something they do on Kickstarter now as well, but for GameFound, it is kind of nice that you can kind of see all the upcoming things that are there. Uh, so you can kind of go check out a little bit of the stuff, see some of the art, see the box art, th- those sorts of things, but not too much on there right now. Uh, I feel like this game is going to be coming a bit later, uh, closer to the end of the year would be my guess as far as to when this Kickstarter will actually or excuse me, this game found game will actually be available to back. Um, so this one, like I said, still in preview, but something that's kind of coming on the forefront here. The next one then was a surprise, I think, to a lot of people, and that's Castles of Burgundy Special Edition. Uh, and the the news release says, when we announced Ravensburger strategic investment into GameFound, one of the comments we have seen pretty regularly was, please now make an awesome Burgundy edition. We had similar smelling. We had been smiling under our nose as we knew the Awakened Realms and Ravensburger had partnered up to bring an absolutely beautiful reworked edition of this modern classic created by Stefan Feld. You can expect not only every inch of all components filled with beautiful art, but also a rework of layout and big component upgrade. There are also some really nice surprises coming along during the campaign too. If you're a Burgundy fan, make sure to follow this one. If not, well, perhaps this is the best time to check out what this game is about. So Castles of Burgundy, much loved Stefan Feld game. It's a game I really, really enjoy. Uh, it is pretty old. It came out 20, 2011, 2012, kind of right in that ballpark. Yeah, really good Euro game. Uh, Stefan Feld, known for his point salad style of like, you get points for doing everything. Uh, no matter what you do, you get a point for it. Uh, so there's a lot of passive victories, definitely a lot of different directions that you can go. Uh, if you look at the original game, I think it's ranked at like number 16 or so right now on the Board Game Geek Top 100. Uh, so again, obviously, highly, highly rated game that people love. But the if there's a downfall, it's the way the game looks. It is very kind of drab as many, you know, late 2000s, early 2010s euros were. Very, a lot of gray, or I should say gray, a lot of mauve, a lot of like green and uh, kind of tan colors. Like just very uninspiring board game like when you look at it but the gameplay of it is spectacular castles of burgundy is just a game i really really enjoy um and a game i I recommend to people if you've gotten into the hobby and you're kind of looking for that next step or that really wanting to get it to a very crunchy heavy thinky game uh castles of burgundy is definitely a great great way to go it's not going to be quite as over the top um as you know your cavernas and, and games like that but it definitely is going to push you and make you really be thoughtful about kind of the decisions that you're making there so this is what i'm really interested in i have to kind of weigh and think long and hard of do i want to spend however much this is going to be because this project hasn't launched yet either um do i want to spend this much money on a project that i already have and can already play uh so we'll have to wait and see i don't buy too many you know upgraded versions of games i already have but sometimes i'll jump in on games i don't own to get a nicer copy of it so we'll have to wait and see if i jump in on it i kind of want to but i think a lot of it will depend on how much it is Uh, again we don't know exactly how much this is going to be um in reading around the internet it looks like this one's going to launch in may so not too far you know or not too long we'll have to wait to see how much this is going to be um but like i said if you want to get in on the stefan feld classic the castles of burgundy um in may it sounds like you'll be able to jump into the game found um and back it and see, you know, and see, like I said, you can go check it out now, but maze when you be able to back this game is, is what we're, we're thinking or what it's sounding like. So the final one then um, was something that wasn't a huge surprise because this is a game that a lot of people have been clamoring for. Uh, and the press really said last but not least, actually, this is the first campaign to launch from those three. We have the great wall, one of the hot premieres of 2021 that not only have really amazing art and miniatures, but most importantly, extremely solid gameplay and a lot of interesting mechanics to put the game on a lot of top 10 of 2021 lists. Due to popular requests, the Raken Rails has decided to reprint the Great Wall and created a campaign for it. While the draft for this one is published for quite some time, today we are ready to announce the starting campaign of April 14th, 2022. So yes, so if you're listening to this podcast, um, you know within a day or so of this podcast going out, 
uh, you'll be able to go check out the Gamebound campaign for the Great Wall reprint. Uh, and, you know, this is a game that a lot of people really seem to like. It was a game that was very successful on Kickstarter, raised well over a million dollars. Uh, so, again, you know, this is two games now coming to GameFound that went on Kickstarter, raised over a million dollars on Kickstarter. Uh, Castle of Burgundy now also being, like, obviously a new game that I think will probably do pretty well as well with that rework. But this is something that I'm potentially interested in. It is a bit expensive. You know, you're looking at, again, another $150-plus game. Uh, but something that people really enjoy. Um, nice miniatures, dudes on a board, uh, one-to-four player, so you can play it solo. Um, and then you can also play it fully cooperative or competitive, if I recall. So kind of every type of gamer has the opportunity to play this game and enjoy it. Uh, and yeah, it, it's a really good looking, cool game. It has like you're building kind of up the wall. Um, so you have a kind of basically a 3D board ostensibly uh, in front of you. So the table presence on it's very good. Lots of bits and bops in the box that you're getting. So even though you're paying a good money for it, uh, you're getting a lot of different things. This is one of those games that though we talk about sometimes it gets annoying that comes with, you know, hey, get this. But then here's like, five expansions that you can also get right when the game launches it's like well why are this just not the game why do i have to buy all these separate things but i guess theoretically it does keep the price down for those who want to kind of get in at a little bit of a less expensive tier so if you're interested in the great wall definitely an opportunity to check that out on game phone and like i said uh that launches on the 14th so right around when this podcast launches you'll be able to go find the great wall on game phone and see if it's going to be a good fit for you so those are the three big um, Awakened Realms projects. Awakened Realms was a huge company when it came to Kickstarter. They were doing multi-million dollar projects every time they put one on there. And the fact that they are now going to GameFound, I think, is huge. Uh, it really does show that some companies are willing to actually put their money where their mouth is and say, hey, we're not supportive of what Kickstarter is doing, so we're going to go do this other thing. We're going to take our business elsewhere. Uh, and I'm interested to see how Kickstarter responds to this. I, I think a certain percentage of them leaving, I, I think there's not much they can do, and they're probably okay and recognize that's going to happen, uh, especially in a situation like this. Awakened Realms, I believe, is a European-based company. GameFound is also European-based. Awakened Realms does also have a partnership with Provinceburger, who also made a relationship with GameFound. So there's a lot of things that are going into play here that make this relationship make sense, that you're like, oh, yes, I can see why this would be this way. But if you're Kickstarter... I don't think you want too many of these things happening. Um, Cyanide and Happiness also announced that they're leaving Kickstarter, and their most recent game is on GameFound. So there are people who are kind of moving on, um, as we kind of theorize there might be. We'll have to wait and see if this exodus continues. It sounds like Leader Games, who we talked about a week or two ago, also sounds like they're going to be moving to GameFound. Uh, so we'll have to see if this is just you know a few who are going to be doing this, or this is going to be the great exodus. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, for now, at least, Awakened Realms, next three big projects, all will be found on GameFound and nowhere to be found on Kickstarter. So with that, sorry, uh, board game folks, that's going to be kind of it for the board game news. Everything else is going to be video game related, but it's also going to be pretty quick. So if you want to hang out and maybe hear my recommendation for a well-rounded life, I would love it. Uh, the first thing, though, kind of came as a surprise earlier today. Who would have thought uh, that Kingdom Hearts 4 was announced with a new trailer at the 20th anniversary event? This comes from Hope Bellingham over at Games Radar. Kingdom Hearts 4 has officially been... Oh, excuse me. You would think that, you know, with all these years of reading, I'd be able to kind of get this down. But hey, let's try that one more time. Kingdom's Heart... <laughs> oh, goodness. Kingdom Hearts 4 has been officially announced at an event celebrating the series' 20th anniversary. Initially premiered to the attendees of the Kingdom Hearts 20th anniversary celebration event in Japan... Square Enix has now publicly released the first Kingdom Hearts 4 trailer. In the seven-minute-long video, fans outside of the event can see what was shown during the presentation, including news on Kingdom Hearts Dark Road, a new mobile game, and our first look and our first look at Kingdom Hearts 4. The trailer has a darker and more serious tone than previous installments in the series. In the footage, you can see a much older Sora teaming up with Strelitzia from Kingdom Hearts Union 10 or Union X, I'm not sure. Fighting in a boss battle against a giant enemy across a location Square Enix is calling Quadratum, a, quote, expansive city set in a gorgeous, realistic world unlike anything ever seen before in the Kingdom Hearts series, end quote. From the first Kingdom Hearts 4 footage, it would appear that the series is taking a big leap forward over 2019's Kingdom Hearts 3 
with Square Enix pushing for a more photorealistic visual aesthetic versus the more stylized look we're used to from the previous game. The publisher has confirmed that Kingdom Hearts 4 is set is the start to a epic new storyline, which is entitled the, quote, Lost Master Arc. Don't worry, though. It looks like Donald and Goofy are still tagging along for the adventure as they do make a brief appearance towards the end of the Kingdom Hearts 4 trailer, where they seem to be looking for someone before getting spooked by somebody off camera. In the press release confirming the news, Square Enix adds, fans will be excited to see the return of Sora's well-known companions, Donald and Goofy, in addition to the first appearance of Streletzia, a mysterious new character who appears before Sora in this strange new setting. The rest of the video from the 20th anniversary event announced that the mobile game Kingdom Hearts Dark Road has been delayed until August 2022. Not only this, but we also got our first glimpse of a, at a brand new mobile game called Kingdom Hearts Missing Link, which has apparently received a closed beta test later this year. Unfortunately, we didn't have a release date for Kingdom Hearts 4 just yet. However, Nana Gad, director of Walt Disney Games, says more information will be coming in the future. This glimpse of the Sora's next adventure is just the beginning. We can't wait to show more when the time is right. So that much, you know, those NVIDIA leaks, it sounds, seems like maybe those things are pretty legit. Uh, yeah, here we go. Kingdom Hearts 4, as I've mentioned. Uh, I do have the Kingdom Hearts 3 Platinum, but not because of me, because my partner earned it. Uh, so I did show her the trailer for Kingdom Hearts 4, and she said, hey, this looks really nice. It's kind of cool to see it in, you know, a typical city, a modern setting. Uh, and then she said, but when's it coming out? Do I have to wait 10 more years for this game? Like I had to for three. Uh, so, you know, as some of the Kingdom Hearts fans, probably a little skeptical about when we'll actually be getting this game uh, from it since the announced to release of three was so darn long. Uh, but let's see, you know, Kingdom Hearts 4. It, it is an interesting take. Seeing Sora grown up, uh, the really realistic vibe of the city along with then you know the shadows being very still kind of stylized is unique so we'll see if they stick with that is different i don't think it's bad i'm just definitely not what i was expecting because you still have kind of the typical kingdom hearts overlay um and hud over a very very a city they're trying to make it look as real as they can and kind of spin it around like pole telephone poles and kind of all that good stuff. So we'll have to wait and see, um, you know, listeners, if you're excited for kingdom hearts, let us know. We definitely want to know if that's something you're interested in kingdom hearts is a series. I, I tried to get into, I played three, four, five hours of the first one. I just, I could not get into it. Maybe, you know, now is the time if I start playing now, maybe I'll get it done by the time kingdom hearts four comes out. Who knows? Uh, but really excited for people who are excited about this. I know the kingdom hearts fandom is, uh, strong and that they are very passionate about their games so hopefully good news for them uh in other news about games coming out max Payne one and two remakes in the works from remedy and rockstar that are supposedly on scale with control this is from jordan gerblick also over at games radar Max Payne and Max Payne 2 remakes are in development as part of a new development agreement between the original developer, publisher team, Remedy Entertainment, and Rockstar Games. The two remakes will be developed using Remedy's proprietary Northlight engine and will be bundled into one complete package for PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. Remedy first released Max Payne back in 2001 with a sequel titled Max Payne 2, The Fall of Max Payne, launching in 2003. Both games were critically acclaimed leading to a movie adaptation starring Mark, Marky Mark himself, Mark Wahlberg, in 2008. That was me adding to the story. That was not in the story. And Max Payne 3 in 2012. We were thrilled when our longtime friends at Remedy approached us about remaking the original Max Payne games, said Rockstar Games founder Sam Hauser in a press release. We are massive fans of the work the Remedy team has created over the years, and we can't wait to play these new versions. Interestingly, Remedy and Rockstar explained in the press release that the budget for Max Payne remakes will be on par with a, quote, typical Remedy AAA game, end quote, that could suggest an exciting ambition for the project beyond a straightforward one-to-one remake. Max Payne has always held a special place in our hearts of everyone at Remedy, and we know the millions of fans worldwide feel the same, said Remedy CEO Taro Vertala. We're hugely excited to be working with our partners at Rockstar Games once again for the chance to bring the story, action, and atmosphere of the original Max Payne games back to players in new ways. I'm someone who's never played the original Max Payne games, and I always kind of wanted to. These were games that were kind of always on the radar, just never quite got around to them for whatever reason. Uh, but having these be come out, being fully remastered, and only next-gen, or current-gen, depending on how you look at it, uh, but only on PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC 
has me really excited. I played Max Payne 3 for a very little amount of time, didn't finish it or anything like that. Enjoyed what I played, but just had no idea what was really going on or what or anything. Uh, so I just kind of put it aside, figuring maybe one day I'll get back to the series. So at this point, now knowing that these are coming, I'm just going to wait on this even longer. Since this was just announced, I don't anticipate that we're going to see these anytime soon. Maybe, you know, 2024, perhaps. Uh, but, you know, Remedy's got so many irons in the fire. They got so many games that they're making, so many things that they're doing. Uh, in general, I tend to like their stuff. Uh, obviously, you know, Crossfire X didn't seem to be set the world on fire. Uh, I definitely skipped it, and it's not something that I played because the reviews were so bad. Uh, but I'm definitely interested to see them rework Max Payne, update Max Payne, uh, remaster Max Payne, remake Max Payne, whatever they're going to call this. Uh, because from all intents and purposes, the original games were good. Uh, so just kind of, even if it's just a fresh coat of paint and, and facelift on it, I, you know, I'm still excited for that. So let's see how Max Payne fares when that comes back in a couple of years. Uh, listeners, are you excited about Max Payne too? Let me know. I definitely would love to hear. All right. And you know what? Aside from new games coming out, there was some recognition of some old games as well. The 2022 BAFTA Game Award winners were announced. Uh, so the BAFTA Awards were held last week. Um, and, you know, they kind of went through their whole typical gala. People all dressed to the nines in their tuxes and in nice dresses uh, and kind of, you know, finding out who's going to win some awards over there in England. Uh, so I'm just going to go through the winners briefly. There's not too man, eh, there's kind of a lot of categories, but we'll go really briefly through all this. I know Josh and I had talked about the nominees before in an episode. Um, so, hey, animation, Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart. Um, not I, I don't want to say not a huge surprise there, but, you know, one of the few only next-gen games, and obviously the animation is something in Ratchet and Clank that really stood out. So nice to see them get a win there. Uh, artistic Achievement is the Artful Escape. Uh, obviously, that game oozes with art um, and art direction. Uh, the style of that game is undeniable, so really good to see the Artful Escape get a win there. Audio Achievement went to Returnal. Uh, this is something that you know Josh and I have talked a ton about, that even if you aren't a fan of Returnal, the way Returnal works as a game, the style of game it is, the setting that the game is in, uh, the audio in that game is cuckoo bananas good. Uh, you know, just both the music that's happening, but also just the audio of the environment that you're in, the ability that you know to dodge just purely from audio cues and where that's coming from, you know, which direction to go. It really, they did some really great work in that game with the audio, the sounds of the weapons, the sounds of the creatures. Everything is super cool in that game as far as audio goes. And, and really nice to see that, you know, the game get recognized for that because it is a game I think was slightly overlooked when it came to kind of end of the year awards in general. Um, best British game was Forza Horizon 5. Obviously, I think another game that many would argue has been overlooked um, and probably should be on more, you know, best of lists. Obviously, you know, kind of I've talked about driving games are not for me, uh, but from all accounts, this game is exceptional. Um, so nice to see at least giving some love for best British game, though I think others could argue that this might need, you know, should be getting more love in other places other than just the best British game. Uh, best debut game went to Toem, a photo adventure. This is a game I still really want to play. It's kind of a black and white game where you're taking photographs uh, and something that I have really been interested in, just haven't quite gotten around to yet. Uh, with how short it is, I might have to jump into it here soon, knowing that we have a bit of a break. Uh, but yeah, darn, that game is so darn cute. So really nice to see Toem get best debut game. Uh, best evolving game went to No Man's Sky. I don't know how you deny, you know, the accomplishments of the team at Hello Games and everything they've done to kind of from launch to now with No Man's Sky and that s turnaround story of taking a game that was in, in rough shape at the beginning and now having a game that is pretty universally beloved. Uh, that is quite, quite the turnaround to see them, you know, keep putting everything into that game and, and so many expansions and having it be all free. Oh, goodness gracious. Just you want to you know kind of support the folks who are trying to support the people who support them no man's sky is a good a good place to look uh best family game went to chicory a colorful tale this game is absolutely wonderful you know obviously i've talked about it on the podcast uh it was kind of up it was a weird group of games for this family category because it was like forza horizon 5 and mario party superstar to ratchet and clank and unpacking uh and elba a wildlife adventure just not the games you typically see, you know, in a category like this in the U.S., uh, but really nice to see Chicory get some recognition there. Uh, Chicory is such a good game, such a special and unique game. Uh, glad to see that it's getting recognized. Um, game Beyond Entertainment, so just looking for those that really kind of help move the genre forward or telling important stories. Uh, Before Your Eyes, a PC game that, again, that game kind of the story advances anytime you blink. 
Um, so it, it, you're playing the game basically through your webcam. Uh, so heard amazing things about it. Not a game that I've played yet. Uh, I think before I play it, I'm going to have to be in a mood to cry. And I just, you know, <laughs> with everything you're going on in the world, maybe I should be crying more often. But uh, we'll see. I, I do want to play that game. And it sounds really cool. Um, so before your eyes, if you're looking for something really unique and different. Uh, winner for game design was Inscription. Uh, this game, Josh, obviously, is a huge, huge fan of. I like quite a bit as well. Really unique, different take uh, on both just, you know, kind of a deck building game plus other things. To not, I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, but Inscription is is cool. There are going to be people, people who it's definitely not for. Uh, but if you're interested in really unique, different games, and if you A, like deck builders, or B, cool with getting through deck builders or see maybe interested in escape rooms uh inscription might be a game for you to check out best multiplayer goes it takes two i i think this seems good you know this is a different type of multiplayer it's most of the games in this category were like call of duty and forza and halo infinite and back for blood like you know your typical shooter or racer games um so seeing it takes two that you know win this is pretty awesome uh, music is Returnal, so I guess I didn't realize audio design and music were split. Uh, this kind of does surprise me. Music Returnal's music is really good, but it's also very specific as to when I would want to listen to it. And the answer is not all the time. But I think that's because it is so good. It really helps create a sense of place. Um, and if the, the world of Returnal is not a place I would want to hang out in very often. Uh, but it does that very, very well. Uh, there was really great music on this list, too, because like Halo Infinite was in there. Far Cry was in there. And actually, Far Cry 6's music, I think, is very good as well. Uh, so a lot of uh, great games in that category. So for Eternal to sing it is pretty cool. Um, Narrative went on packing, which is, you know, pretty cool for a game that has no words, as far as I know. Um, and a game I still want to play. Uh, again, another category that had, you know, Psychonauts 2 and Life is Strange True Colors and Marvel's Guardian of the Galaxy games that were... Um, vaunted for for the story that they were telling um so to see you know unpacking be able to tell this narrative simply by putting someone's room together uh is pretty cool so congratulations to the team there uh original property went to it takes two um that's totally surprising uh that game is a really unique thing um and granted you know a lot of the things in this category death door death loop definitely unique definitely original uh, but it's nice to see it takes two um you know still still leading the pack it's still doing some nifty things for a quote-unquote indie that was published by EA, but a quote-unquote indie. Uh, let's see. Next category, performer in a leading role went to Jane Perry. Now, this is kind of interesting because Jane actually plays Celine from Returnal. And in all of the, you know, big acting categories this year, she really was not getting a lot of recognition. And she does a fantastic job. Now, is she better than, you know... Erica Mori is Alex Chen or Jennifer Hale's Rivet. I don't I don't know. Uh, but it, it it is nice that I was just excited she was nominated. Uh, but to see her win this, I think just kind of talks about how much the BAFTAs at least appreciate Returnal as a game. Um performer in a supporting role, this went to Kimberly Brooks as Hollis Forsyth in Flyconauts 2. Um, and again, this, you know, both these categories had a bunch of hitters um as far as voice actors go. So congratulations to both the winners there. Uh, kind of wrapping things up here quick, uh, Ratchet & Clank won for technical achievement. Maybe not surprising since we're a PS5 game only and use of that SSD and the way the game looks, you know, all that good stuff. And then um, the EE game of the year went to Unpacking, but the BAFTA best game did go to Returnal. Um, so, again, love to see Returnal kind of getting some love um, as a game I think that was a bit underappreciated last year. It was a game that obviously challenged a lot of people uh, in the way the game was designed, in the challenge just in general of the game, how it told a story and narrative. Uh, definitely not a game that was for everyone, but I, I use that phrase all the time and I probably should because no game is for everyone for the most part. But definitely a game that even would challenge um, quote unquote gamer gamers, right? Like people who are really into games still didn't always really jive with Returnal. And I thought it was something really cool. Uh, I still want to get back to it. It's been installed on my hard drive for the last year. So I clearly want to still play it, you know, since the PS5 has no space on the hard drive. Uh, but yeah, we'll see if I get back to it. Maybe this will help me get back to it soon. But that was your winners from the BAFTAs. Listeners, if you have thoughts, would love to hear them. What did you think of how the BAFTAs went? And 
do you think they had some good winners? Did they miss the boat on some? Definitely let us know. Uh, my last little story then before we kind of get towards wrapping the show up is just that, hey, uh, the Unreal Engine 5 has gotten its full release and they, you know, released some screenshots and a playable demo. And uh, there's a lot of cool teams working with Unreal, Unreal Engine 5. And uh, darn if the future of video games isn't going to look real, real, real good. Whew. So I thought it was a bit weird. And this was even slightly true when they kind of announced the initial presentation or reveal that Unreal 5 was a thing. And they kind of ha- was like, oh, first, you know, gameplay on a PlayStation 5. Here's our engine. You're like, oh, that looks cool. It's a thing. And this was like a long presentation about like, hey, this engine is now out. Okay, cool. Like, I'm really excited for when I get to play games made on Unreal in like four years. But uh, <laughs> the future of gaming does look very nice. Uh, the graphics are incredible. Uh, you know, the the new Tomb Raider that's going to be coming from Crystal Dynamics was announced to be being made on Unreal. The Coalition did a, showed a video of, you know, of what they've been doing with Unreal. So, man, next year's a war. Whew, that game's going to be a stunner. So, yeah, a lot of games coming, a lot of, you know, people looking to jump into Unreal Engine 5. And if, you know, just these little demos are any, anywhere close to what people are going to be able to do. Obviously, then we had the Matrix demo, too, from, uh, you know, our Game Awards time last at the end of last year. If those are anything, if people are able to make real, quote unquote, real full games that look anything like some of these things, uh, we're in for a treat in just a few years here, y'all. So uh, be on the lookout. Like I said. Unreal Engine 5, here it comes. It's fully out. It's in the wild. If you want to start making games yourself, I guess, go for it. Uh, You can do it on Unreal Engine 5 now, too, if you want to as well. All right, so we're going to move on. Um, Like I said, no technical homework update. um, But, you know, right now, I think it's still going on, that you can get three free months of Marvel Unlimited uh, if you are a Game Pass member. Maybe you have to be Game Pass Ultimate. I don't really know. Since I am Game Pass Ultimate, I don't always know what's for me and what's not for me. Um, or what's for everyone versus just ultimate. But anyway, uh, so I signed Josh to assign me to read some comic books because I've never really read many comic books for superhero comic books. I've read others, but I've never been a much of a superhero guy. Uh, but I've seen like all of the Marvel movies and all that good stuff. Uh, so <laughs> he then assigned me to read. Um, what is kind of neat is that Marvel within the app curates these lists of things that you can read or these storylines that you can go through and just kind of pulls, especially if they come from disparate comics like they pull them all into kind of one reading list for you uh so josh assigned me to uh read civil war the complete event obviously you know you know of civil war just from the movies in general um if you follow the marvel movies but there's like 50 comics in this i don't know that i'm gonna get through all of them i'm not through all of them right now i am like probably about to 16th i'm about 15 or 16 comics in right now to this run uh so <laughs> if you want to read along or if you have thoughts uh probably i don't know if we will next week but either next week or in two weeks um that's the comics we're gonna be talking about is uh the civil war um on marvel unlimited so just know that you have the option to do that uh finally then my recommendation for a well-rounded life um obviously you know i'm a sucker for a good documentary uh and a good one was released and that is tony hawk until the wheels fall off which is on hbo max and it just looks at the life of tony hawk um the skateboard excellent kind of the guy who is just known for you know (laughs) creating what we all perceive to be like the best modern skateboarder right like he is the one that we always think of uh, so yeah, it's a really interesting documentary. It definitely goes from very young Tony Hawk up until today. Uh, it, I don't want to say glosses over. It does speedily go over some things that maybe are not like really, really great about Tony Hawk. It does. It, I'm not saying it just completely like washes over them. It definitely talks about them, but he definitely kind of, some things are just kind of mentioned and they move on. So I'm not going to say that it isn't a partially sanitized look, uh, but I think the the real purpose and focus is how does how did Tony Hawk, you know, it's more about him and his skateboarding than it is about him and his personal life. But it also obviously kind of goes into that a little bit as well. Now, one of the reasons, though, I think this is so interesting is that one of the people they talk to is like, hey, they talked to Tony Hawk. Everyone thinks Tony Hawk is like, you know, awesome, the man, whatever. We all, if you're not super into skating, you know who Tony Hawk is. However, 
they also go into and and talk to many many other skateboarders who were uh prevalent during his time and his upbringing and really you know they are the ones who kind of created skateboarding today um and and skateboarding as as we know it um one of the people they talk to is a man named uh rodney mullen now rodney mullen i don't think is, is i'm guessing not the same household name that tony hawk is however rodney mullen once a he was fascinating to listen to in the documentary this guy really is kind of one of those people where you're like when he starts talking you're like oh you're one of those kind of people uh and he just has some really interesting perspectives and thoughts on some things so he was fascinating to listen listen to but like rodney mullen uh is the guy who like created the kickflip and the heel flip and like a lot of like the just general if you're anyone who played any of the Tony Hawk video games, like the 540 shove it and like ga- like anything that you like generally think of that happens like on flat land, he's the one who created. And so it's just really interesting that you have this guy who created, I mean, I think like a hundred plus tricks. Um, just being like this dude, random dude in this video about Tony Hawk where, like, realistically, he might be more influ- influential for the actual skateboarders than Tony Hawk was. Yes, Tony Hawk, is mainstream, like, brought the sport up, did crazy tricks, did 900s, did the things that no one else had ever done, like, once the sport, like, got to its pinnacle. But Rodney Mullen is the one who created the base for, like, what became everything after it, right? Like, he's the one who really helped to push like all of the sport up now there is one thing that they talk about in the documentary that tony hawk did that no one else did that they thought was cheating now everyone does that's really important but outside of that one thing like i don't know i just was really stoked i was like why are we not talking about this rodney mullen guy he seems super cool um so like i said overall very good documentary it is long it's over two hours uh but if you are you know interested in hearing about you know what made tony hawk tony hawk uh check it out tony hawk until the wheels fall off on hbo max So with that, just want to say thanks for joining me for this solo episode. We will be back to our typical recordings next week. Uh, Josh and I will both be here. Um, So, hey, again, thanks. Send Josh some love. Um, You can find him at Josh Bones on most social media or jump in the Discord and send him some love. Um, We do appreciate all of you all listening. Um, You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, and Board Game Geek. All at Cyclocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. Uh, as always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we definitely want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop game. Kyle. Josh. Sounds like Rost. I just wanted to uh, send you a little message. I believe you've known each other for quite some time, but you've never met in person. Well, as an outsider, I understand that. But keep training. Keep focused on each other. Have each other's backs. And keep broadcasting that podcast. You're doing God's work. All right, guys. Take care of yourselves. Best of luck, Rost.